An anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! Episode 406, submission number 241. Galaxy High School. Galaxy High School aired on CBS Saturday mornings from September 13th to December 6th, 1986 for 13 episodes. It's your traditional three less than Uncle Crocs Block, Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle Show, JJ Starbuck, number of varied episodes of Salvage One, number of episodes of Schooled. And I'm sure there's more, but that'll come at a future date. Okay, so this is the fourth episode that premiered in September of 1986. The other three are Photon, Life with Lucy, and what a country. By the way, Mike, this is a shouty theme song. Sorry. As long as Greg can't sing it, that's all that matters. This is as shouty as Ferris! Pirina! is the story of an animated sitcom that had all of the ingredients to be a success, but CBS just did not know what they wanted to do with it. Let me take you back a bit as a company called TMS Entertainment, which is Tokyo Movie Shinsha, known for doing a lot of anime, but also doing a lot of Western animation work for the Disney Afternoon, mostly. They've set up an office in Los Angeles to Americanize a comic book in Japan called Urusei Yatsura, created by Rumiko Takahashi in the late 70s and early 80s, way before Inuyasha, it told the story of an alien Amazon who came to Earth to invade and enslave mankind. But mankind is defended by a teenage pervert named Ataru Moraboshi, who accidentally gets married to the Amazon? Okay. They wanted to bring this to America? What? 
this is, by the way, the cleanest way I could totally describe this show. Do your own research, form your own opinion. They wanted to turn it into something similar to, but legally distinct from Urusei Yatsura, TMS wanted to do for the U.S. So, they commissioned an up-and-coming screenwriter named Chris Columbus. Yes, that Chris Columbus, talking about Home Alone, Harry Potter, Adventures in Babysitting. Gremlins. Percy Gremlins. But let's not forget Percy Jackson. And for one reason. That was Alexandria Daddario. That was the one reason you watched Percy Jackson. Not the Disney Plus series. Is that still a thing? The Disney Plus series? I, who knows. So TMS Entertainment teams up with Chris Columbus. Animation super scribe Larry Dettilio, who, you know, He-Man and She-Ra, The Secret of the Sword. Transformers, G.I. Joe. And character designs from, among other people, John Crispolusi. We don't talk about John Crispolusi. And together they came up with a premise called High School 2525. In the year 2525. When Michael Chase Walker, who was involved in the creation of High School 2525 with Sid Iwanter, the creative director. When he became the director of children's programs for CBS, he bought the show and changed the name to Galaxy High School in an attempt to develop a Saturday morning schedule that resembled an old-fashioned Saturday movie matinee. This is all from Truth by Consensus Wikipedia. With a range of horror, Teen Wolf, Science Fiction, Galaxy High School, Comedy, Pee-wee's Playhouse, rest in peace, Pee-wee, and Western, something called Wildfire. The theme song is very expository, but here are some more details. Galaxy High School is located on the fictional asteroid Flutor. Doyle Cleverlobe, a strong athlete, and Amy Brighttower, a bit of a bookish nerd, are chosen as the first two Earthlings to attend Galaxy High School. And when they get there, Future Shock doesn't even begin to cover it. And not just because they're going to a high school with aliens and a locker that talks to you. It turns out that there aren't many females at Galaxy High School, and Amy, being as smart as she is, not only becomes a popular student, but also because she is the smartest person in school, she gets her very own space car. Meanwhile, Doyle Cleverlobe, who is an athlete on Earth, is very, uh, how you say, full of himself. And that tends to rub everybody the wrong way at Galaxy High. Especially people who see him as A, not that special, and B, 
a punching bag. And by a punching bag, I, of course, mean the target of Bonk and the Beef Bunch. Who goes to Galaxy High along with Amy and Doyle? We have Gilda Gossip, who looks like an octopus for a head with several lips. And when she gets really excited, she uses all of them. Reggie Unicycle is somebody who really gets around because his bottom is a unicycle. Wendy Garbo is the most fashionistic person at Galaxy High. Harvey and Myrtle Blastermeyer are literally joined at the hip. Bowie Bubblehead has a bubble for a head. The Creep is a short fuzzy yellow thing that has a penchant for sounding like a Vegas show tune singer. And then you have Beef and the Bonk Bunch. Beef Bonk, Rotten Roland, and Earl <coughs> Leading the classic Galaxy High is Milo DeVenus, a stereotypical short, fat, dumpy nerd with thick glasses and six arms. Rounding out the Motley crew at Galaxy High is Professor Eisenstein, who has to keep his classroom at sub-zero temperatures, or else he'll die. Ms. Biddy McBrain, who is a sweet old lady, and the voice of Doyle's locker, who gives Doyle about as much of a hard time as, well, everybody else. Now, I said that Amy got a full-ride scholarship to Galaxy High, and a space car. Doyle, on the other hand, is basically presented a trip to Galaxy High as, A, a chance to beef up their athletic department, which was lacking, and B, his last best chance to graduate high school anywhere in the known universe. In fact, in order to pay his tuition, he has to take a job at a pizzeria manned by somebody named Luigi LaBouncy. And that's all you need to know about the background of Galaxy High. So let's go into the cast, which is, by the way, a who's who of voice acting and just talent in general. Playing Amy Brighttower is noted voice actress Susan Blue. And as the voice of Doyle Cleverlobe, we have Hal Rail. And much like Susan Blue before us, if we mentioned everything that he's done, we would be here all day. Other notables in the cast include as Miss Biddy McBrain... Pat Carroll, Ursula herself, as Flat Freddy Fender, Nancy Cartwright, Bart Simpson if you're nasty, as Ollie Oilslick, Gino Conforti, as Coach Frogface, Pat Fraley, as the voice of the lockers, Henry Gibson from Lappin, 
as Bowie Bubblehead, Jennifer Darling, as Earl <laughs> Guy Christopher, as Luigi LaBouncy, Howard Morris, as Beef Bonk, John Stevenson, from Scooby-Doo fame, as The Creep, is this typecasting Danny Mann, and as Rotten Roland, Neil Ross, who's literally done everything from Voltron to Press Your Luck, low-key making a Hall of Fame case that Neil Ross, and as Milo Davidis, Squiggy himself, David L. Lander. Wow, so they got a really good voice cast for this. This was engineered for success. And you know what? It was very well written and very well produced. Let's go into the episodes and see where it went wrong. Episode 1. Welcome to Galaxy High. Doyle Cleverlobe and Amy Brightower arrive at Galaxy High and are greeted by class president Milo DeVenus. Because of her exceptional grades, Amy is rewarded a scholarship and a Xeron X5000 Turbo Space Coup de Ville, while Doyle has to take an extra job at Luigi's Pizza Parlor and gets a used 37-year-old Benson Hoffinger Model 1 7000 skateboard. It's basically a Vespa from Hoopdeville. Oh, so you know it's quality. Needless to say, Amy is having the time of her life while Doyle is longing for life back on Earth. I guess this is a classic lesson in standing out and fitting in because the girls take Amy to get her skin dyed blue. What? Probably a carryover from the high school 2525 development when Doyle was supposed to be the main character and Amy was just the closest thing to a human they could possibly get. Although Amy says Doyle is once again a star thanks to winning a game of Zuggleball against Beef. It's similar to hockey, but with a living puck. Oh, a more mature Doyle admits the popularity may be hard to maintain and he needs to start showing more respect for others at Galaxy High. Episode 2. Pizza's Honor. Luigi receives an order of 100 pizza to be delivered to the planet Tingler, which everyone is afraid of because it's supposed to be haunted. Hold on. The planet's name is Tingler. So Luigi has Milo make the pizzas, which he can do at six times the speed of a normal person. Not just because of his arms, but because he is an overachiever. And then he wants Doyle to make the delivery. He gets a reputation for bravery, gaining the admiration of the only girls at Galaxy High. And the Galaxy High students laugh at Beef because an Earth boy is braver than him which causes the Bonk Bunch to follow Doyle and try scaring him, causing both their ships to crash land on the planet. It basically turns into enemy mine. Doyle delivers the pizza to Trumbull Hall on the planet Tingler, and the Bonk Bunch continues playing to scare him and also to steal his delivery money to pay for Beef's own hot rod repairs, while Doyle learns that Tingler is not what it seems and that the Bonk Bunch 
is far more scared of the species on Tingler. Episode 3. The Beef Who Would Be King Tired of Beef's bullying, Doyle finds out what Bonk's sweet spot is from his locker. Onions. Simple Earth Onions. Just before Beef is about to extract his revenge on Doyle, aliens from the planet Cholesterol arrive and proclaim Beef their new leader, the High Cholesterol. Oh, God. Despite Doyle and Amy's objections, the Cholesterolians insist on taking Beef back to their planet and bathing him in luxury before they devour him. Ooh. When Amy's space car shorts out, Doyle must get to cholesterol by himself, and as Doyle is about to be thrown into a canyon, Beef grabs him, causing the cholesterolians to say that he's forfeited his position due to no longer being the worst man in the universe. Doyle expects that he and Beef will be on better terms, but Beef cannot resist being anti-social again. Episode 4. Where's Milo? Milo loses his popularity as class president and his job at Luigi's because of his clumsiness. Alligatori, who looks like an alligator, of the leather scene, offers the downtrodden Venusian a job. Unfortunately, in his rush to gain any supportive support from anything for anybody, Milo does not read the contract. And he is hired to be a living store window mannequin. And after Doyle gives a this is the reason you suck speech to everybody at Galaxy High School, he mounts a daring rescue. And there's a picture of Milo in his new line of work. It's goofy. Episode 5. Those Eyes those lips. All the girls are excited that Rockstar Mick Maggers is going to give a concert at Galaxy High, especially Bowie, who's a big fan and has sent him many letters. Unfortunately, the concert is sold out. Oh no. Well, good thing this isn't 2023 and they were at Taylor Swift concert. Amy decides to help find a way for Bowie to meet Mick. Meanwhile, Beef is planning to take Wendy to the concert in order to get in, he and his gang get jobs as security for Mick. But a pizza monster has kidnapped Wendy, with whom it apparently has fallen in love. Meanwhile, Bowie sneaks onto Mick's ship, where she meets someone calling himself James, who wants to help her, but asks her what's so great about Mick Maggers, as he's just some guy, and Bowie says Mick's music speaks to her. Amy, Gilda, and Milo continue to try to help Bowie, while the Bonk Bunch continue keeping them out. But in the end, James does help everyone, and he has a surprise for them. He's McBaggers. Oh. Episode 6. Doyle's New Friend. Everyone at Galaxy High is preparing for the Hands Across the Universe dance. Amy's expected to be crowned queen of the dance, and Beef Bog plans to make sure he's made king. The first guest dude to arrive is Wolfgang Armadillo, a big practical joker. His pranks make him instantly unpopular, though Doyle insists on standing up for his new friend. Beef recruits Wolfgang into the Bog Bunch, 
and they get him to switch ballot boxes in the election for king and queen, but Wolfgang ends up tricking Beef and winning back Doyle and the rest of the crew. Episode 7. Dollars and Cents. Reggie Unicycle, the richest teen in the universe and famed Galaxy High alumni, visits the school and instantly sets his mind on Amy Brightower. Ew! She's a kid! Yeah. Creep, who, by the way, nobody knows his real name, and all they know him as is the Creep, but Creep is crushed when Amy begins to fall for Reggie's charms, then misunderstands Miss McBrain's explanation about the Midas touch, and thinks Amy will be turned to gold. He convinces Doyle and the others to go to the Platinum Planet to rescue her, at a party Reggie throws for her at his parents' mansion, where there just so happens to be a golden statue that he has made for her, which the creep and the others mistake for Amy. Amy realizes Reggie, who's dated many girls around the galaxy, is not really as interested in her as he thinks he is, so she returns to Galaxy High. I'm guessing Reggie's looking at her and thinking, I've never dated a human before. And on that disappointment, I think we all need a break, especially so I can clean out my uh, brain. Well, we'll head back to Galaxy High School in a bit, but first, let's see what was going on in the news in the mid-80s. We'll be right back. In the news, the deep sea dives of Deep Rover. Recently, scientists have been exploring the depths of California's Monterey Canyon in a new type of submarine. We'll be back with some of their underwater discoveries in the news. Here are a few words about Levi's jeans and cords. <laughs> Levi's. <laughs> It's going to rain cats and dogs, and in other news, Tommy Fisher's And now, Deep Rover, down in the depths, in the news. Deep Rover is a new type of submarine. It dives more than 2,000 feet below the ocean's surface. But what makes it special is that it can go just about anywhere the pilot wants. Unlike other deep diving craft, it is not tied or attached to ships on the surface. This freedom has opened up a new world for underwater explorers. Here, off the coast of California, they dive into an undersea canyon larger than Arizona's Grand Canyon. What they've seen and photographed has amazed even experts. An eel pout that protects itself by coiling up to try to look like a type of jellyfish that other fish wouldn't want to eat. Siphonophores, colonies of animals divided up so that some parts are responsible for food while others are in charge of protection. And a narcomedusa, a jellyfish that has its own lighting system called bioluminescence. That's not unusual down here, where the sun's light never reaches. 80% of the animals here generate their own light. Occasionally, when scientists want to capture one of these rare animals for further study, they just suck it up with Deep Rover's slurp gun. It doesn't hurt the creature. 
These deep dives have changed scientists' view of the number of animals living in the ocean and opened new possibilities for feeding mankind with life from the sea. I'm Christopher Glenn with the discoveries of Deep Rover in the news. This is CBS. Well, thanks, Christopher Glenn, for that report. Now let's get back to the rest of this episode. Episode 8. Beach Blanket Blow-Up. Oh my god. What the hell? Doyle wants to go with Wendy to Fort Lauderoid for spring break, so he tricks Amy into loading him her car. Hilarity ensues. She's upset when she learns the truth, but Doyle can't go anyway because he failed Professor Eisenstein's course and needs to do a science project to earn enough to pass it. Meanwhile, Reggie takes everyone to the beach on his space yacht. Amy realizes that she likes him and Gilda and Bowie convince her that he likes her too. Doyle passes his extra credit work about supernovas, but discovers that Fort Lauderoid's son is going to go supernova, so he and Eisenstein go to warn everybody, though Eisenstein melts, and Doyle has to carry him in a glass. Oh. Amy thinks Doyle's come to ask her to go steady, but he tells everyone about the supernova. But everyone thinks it's a joke at her expense. If this sounds like a parody of Beach Blanket Bingo... It is because it is indeed a parody of Beach Blanket Bingo. Well, yeah, it's obvious by the title. Episode 9. It's a very special episode of Galaxy High. This episode actually won the show a Humanitas Award for addressing the drug epidemic in the 80s and not being too ham-fisted about it. Doyle is good at the game of psych hockey. The entire school becomes fans when he wins game after game, but this is also putting him under a great deal of pressure as he's struggling academically and Crouch Frogface is demanding that he hit the books. A shady character called Punk McThruster offers the use of a brain blaster to enhance Doyle's knowledge. Doyle refuses, but after finding a cosmic literature test too difficult, he reconsiders. Of course, the first hit of brainwaves is free, but after that it gets costly, and Doyle has more tests to pass if he wants to remain eligible to play psych hockey. He has to start managing his new habit, but using the brain blaster costs Doyle more than financially, takes quite a toll on his mind, making him much dumber than usual and anything other than the subjects that the device enhances for him. So, soon he's really messed up and desperate to keep using the device, not just for classes, but to feed his addiction to it. When Punk's supplier gets busted, he tells Doyle that his only option for finding more brainwaves is to go to a dangerous place called South Andromeda. The wrong side of the asteroid belt. Luckily, his friends had found out from Ollie where he had gone and showed up to rescue him. But when they find out he's gotten a hold of a jar of brainwaves, they dispose of it, which make Doyle reluctant to play in the Psych Hockey Championship, believing he cannot win without the Brain Blaster. An ironic turn of events demonstrates that Doyle, that using a Brain Blaster, is basically cheating. So what did we learn today? 
Drugs are bad. Good. See you next time on a very special episode. Episode 10, The Brat Pack. After trashing the teacher's lunch table, Beef Bonk gets the worst punishment Miss McBrain can think of. He's put in charge of the elementary school class. That's right. Galaxy High School isn't just a high school. It's an elementary school. The alien tots turn out to be an unruly bunch who dream of a day out to Nova Land. Beef offers to take them there if they behave. When Miss McBrain forbids it, he decides to grant the toddlers their wish anyway and gets the others to help. Episode 11, Founders Day. Galaxy High is celebrating Founders Day to commemorate the opening of Galaxy High. Beef chases Doyle, Amy, Milo, and the Creep into Professor Eisenstein's experimental time machine and accidentally sends them back to the original Founders Day. The foursome becomes the discoverers of the asteroid Flutor instead of the ones who are supposed to discover it. Pancake Baker Luigi and his star waitress Biddy McBrain. That's right. It's a time travel story, and they messed with the timeline. Now they gotta go and fix it. Oh, no. They're basically doing Back to the Future at this point. Which wouldn't be on CBS for another two or three years. Well, hold on. 86, right? Yes. It'd be like more like five years. Okay. Not only have they got to get 5,000 mega credits together to pay for the discovery, they have to convince Biddy to become a high school principal. Luigi to bake pizzas, and all the different aliens in the galaxy to get along. By the way, it's in this episode where we learn that the events of Galaxy High School take place in the futuristic year of 1986. What? Does this take place in, like, the For All Mankind timeline? I believe it does. So the Flutorians are starting the destruction at the last minute. Milburn Unicycle, the great, great, great descendant of Reggie Unicycle, pays the Flutorians the mega credits and will also agree to build Galaxy High School under one condition. It contained an adjunct elementary school as his toddler Reggie needs to begin school. Okay, so they didn't go that far back in time. Episode 12. Martian Mumps. Locks, a new student from Mars, arrives and infects Milo with the Martian mumps. Soon the entire school is looking green, sporting antennas, and very punctual. Only Doyle and Amy, being from Earth, appear to be immune. Captain James T. Smirk of the Meta Federation starship Eagle Eyes arrives on the scene and places Galaxy High under eternal quarantine and places it in orbit around Mars. But permanent Martianization will take place in 24 hours unless First Officer Spluke and the crew of the Eagle Eyes team up with Amy and Doyle to find a cure. Doyle unwittingly cures Beef by making him angry, and Eisenstein realizes that playing on an individual's strongest emotion will turn them back to normal. So Doyle, Amy, and Beef set out to cure their friends in the faculty. And finally, episode 13, it came from Earth. 
Galaxy High is in the Zuggleball Championships, and Doyle intends to prove that he's a big man by winning the game single-handedly. He's doing pretty well until he gets knocked unconscious. Doyle then wakes up on Earth and realizes that 15 years has passed, which time he's grown to 400 feet tall. Amy's a doctor, Milo's president, Beef is a general, Gilda's a reporter, The Creep is a famous singer, Roland is a sheriff, and pretty much everyone from Galaxy High is now on Earth. Why would anyone want to come to Earth? Why would anyone come to Earth? Yeah, especially since Andy Griffith took all the space junk from the moon. Professor Eisenstein has been trying to find a cure for Doyle's mysterious growth, and when Doyle wakes up, he takes off to find him. Along the way, he causes a great deal of damage, and the military, led by Beef, is dispatched to stop Doyle. Suddenly, he wakes up in his proper size and realizes it was all a dream. In the real world, he was knocked out for 15 seconds. Having learned his lesson, Doyle finishes the game, this time being a team player. So, yeah, this show, as absurd as it sounds on the surface, was actually very well done. And aside from that, it had a plush time spot right after Muppet Babies and right before Teen Wolf. So what happened? On one hand, you have the Smurfs. And on the other hand, you have the real Ghostbusters. Yeah, you ain't beaten the real Ghostbusters and the Smurfs. So, in November, CBS moved Galaxy High to 11 o'clock, right after Teen Wolf and right before reruns of Richie Rich. By the way, the reruns of Richie Rich, they replaced... The Puppy's Great Adventures. And it would feed into previous entry, because I want to see Greg's reaction when I say this. Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Oh, yes. So, yeah, Galaxy High is now at 11 by the end of its run. You know what else was at 11? The Bugs Bunny and Tweety Show and Foofer. You're not having a good time there. So, being Saturday morning, they could run out the 13 episodes in perpetuity, and while Chris Columbus and crew are getting to work starting on season two, one episode involves a food fight turning into a civil war, and the season would have Amy and Doyle kind of start a will-they-or-won't-they romance. But when they moved the show to noon in the summer, out of reruns of Land of the Lost, the writing was pretty much on the wall. CBS canceled the show. It was a classic case of being screwed by the network. The show's time slot was switched around with more popular shows such as Pee-wee's Playhouse and Muppet Babies, leading to the show appearing in a later time slot, which meant it was frequently preempted by sporting events. Especially those that started very early on the West Coast. Yeah, mainly college football. 
The show failed to find a proper audience and was eventually canceled, though the show has since gained a cult following for its clever, ahead-of-its-time writing and its very high animation quality. Again, owing to character designs and scripts by the aforementioned writers and producers of this show. Now, the show did ultimately get a proper home release. Four episodes of the show were re-edited into a compilation video titled Galaxy High in 1989 by Family Home Entertainment. All 13 episodes are available uncut and as they were originally aired across two volumes, produced and distributed by Media Blasters through their anime works imprint. Or if you can't be bothered with cumbersome physical media, the episodes are available to stream right now for free on TMS's official YouTube channel. And actually, we were talking about how this became a cult classic. So what do you do with cult classics from the 80s? Yeah, make it into a movie. And that almost happened with this show. In 1996, a live-action adaptation was planned auctioned and optioned to both DreamWorks and Paramount. It would have been produced by John H. Williams, best known for his work in the Shrek films, and it would have reteamed Williams with Chris Columbus. The movie remains in development hell, and since 1996... Which, if my math is correct, is 27 years ago, I would have to consider that project abandoned. But it does have a bit of a legacy amongst fans of anime and science fiction in general. It frequently appears in the 1980s animation magazine Serial Geek. It was adapted to the similar to but legally distinct from role-playing game Teenagers from Outer Space, and it was actually made into a pastiche on episode 17 of 2014 science fiction anime Space Dandy. Now that you know about the long convoluted history of this show, thoughts? Well, it's good that Chris Columbus did some television. And, well, I don't remember this show at all. I mean, I was like two when this came out, but it was kind of like watching some of the episodes. It's like you could tell there might have been something there. I mean, you could tell the writing was pretty good. They got a good voice cast for this, but it was like network meddling basically is what killed it in the end. It just couldn't find an episode for something as ahead of its time, if I'm being completely honest. But, again, don't cry for anybody that came out of Galaxy High. The voice cast is doing fine. Chris Columbus has a fruitful career. And the show itself has become a cult classic. Yeah, and then Chris Columbus a year later would write, in my opinion, one of the greatest movies ever, Adventures in Babysitting. With one of the worst remakes of one of the greatest movies in 80s history. That's true. But remember, 
You don't F with the babysitter, Trigo. We'll leave you with this sort of outline from an aborted second season episode called The Day the School Stood Still. This was actually from Starlog Magazine in 1986, where Chris Columbus said, A cafeteria food fight erupts into intermural war, and the Intergalactic Board of Trustees decides to close the school unless the kids can prove the great experiment of Galaxy High a success. For a Saturday morning kids show, really deep stuff. And here we are in the future giving an appreciation of what is, what was, and what could have been. But alas, in 1986, CBS could not for the life of themselves find an audience for it. And Galaxy High School became a thing on TV. Well, that's going to do it for this trip around the galaxy, but if you... Want more? You can always go to our website at itwasathingontv.com where you can listen to the 405 episodes that preceded this one. We've got great bonuses, including mini-sodes, live shows, extended versions, instant reactions, everything you could possibly think of. And remember, we are on social media, including Instagram, Threads, Mastodon, over at It Was A Thing On TV, except for Facebook, where we are at It Was A Thing On TV Podcast. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever fine podcasts can be streamed. Evil on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Audible, etc. Don't forget, we are on YouTube where you can like, subscribe to our channel, hit the notification bell to be informed on all of our future uploads, including what's happening next time. Yeah, because next time, when this is up on Podbean, these two episodes, we will be nearing the start of the 2023 season of the National Football League. Oh, is that what this script is? Oh, yeah, I saw that ad with Keegan-Michael Key last night during uh, the Thursday Night Football game on Prime. So our Thursday episode, in time for the season opener, will be about a game so awful from last year. We said, we are going to have to cover it next year. And you know what? We're going to be covering it next week. And let me just say, hilarity is going to ensue. But on the first episode, Star Trek Day is coming up. And well, to honor Star Trek Day, We're going to be honoring one of our favorite captains around here. Um, Not that one. And that captain was real young at this point. Oh, yeah, that captain. Yeah. Well, we will climb into the captain's seat of that mystery next time on It Was A Thing On TV. Thank you ever so much for listening. Please be kind to one another, and we will see you for the next one. Wow! TBS. Stay tuned for Galaxy High. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. And 